be seated. If you are in the house, you may be seated. And uh, if you're not in the house this morning, most of you, are, in fact, most of you are not in the house, you're watching online, uh, maybe you can already tell, man, we're doing things differently this morning. And yes, we are. That's one of the things that we love to do here around Pathway Church. And before we get too far into it, I just want to stop and give a shout out of praise of thanksgiving uh, to God uh, for Chris Bohan and Cheyenne Davis who wrapped us up our Mindset Series. Can we all just say thanks to God for those two? We've got an incredible staff. I'm so honored to them. And I want to let everybody know, we only have two more Sundays, this one and the next, the 12th and the 19th. We're just going to be online at 1025 on the, on the 26th of July. If you're watching online right now, you need to know the 26th of July, streaming at 930 and 11 o'clock. That's 9.30 and 11 o'clock. And on that weekend, uh, we're going to have servants in the house, just like we got some folks in the house this morning. We'll tell you why here in a minute. But those servants in the house will be training uh, back for our children's ministry and all the guest services and first impressions folks who open the doors to take care of you. That's going to be a training weekend to get ready for August 1st and August 2nd. Because on August 1st and August 2nd, we're opening up the doors of the building on the weekend to return back to worship to those that are ready. And so it's going to be Saturday night at 6 o'clock. Sunday in New York, Sunday morning at 8 a.m. in the sanctuary, and then at 9.30 at 11, we'll stream both of those from the ark, wherever you are in the world, but also in the ark and into the sanctuary. So those who come can spread out. Whether you're in the ark of the sanctuary, you'll experience the same thing. So, man, we're headed in that direction, and on that weekend, we're starting a new message series. We're going to walk through 1 Corinthians 13. Uh, I think you might agree with me. We live in a world right now who needs a deeper understanding besides a cute little wedding of what 1 Corinthians 13 really means. So that's what we're going to do. But today, uh, this is Baptism Sunday, uh, Join the Church Sunday, and that's why we have some people in the house. And so those that are in the house, can you just celebrate that? We're so glad to have you in the house. And uh, it's awkward, I know, we got masks on and we're sitting far apart and everything like that, but man, God's going to do this, it's, it's, it's going to be a, an awesome thing. Uh, God has been so good to this church, uh, whether you worship on campus, you're here this morning, or you worship in different other places of the world, uh, you've been so generous with your offering. And I just want to say thank you again, uh, giving thanks to God for your faithfulness and just the work of the church that continues to do so. And so if you're online, just know you can give any time that you want to. If you're in the house, we're not going to pass the plate this morning. If you came thinking, God, because oh, we are changing that a little bit. But I think there's a place at the back when you leave if you want to do your offering. Uh, but we're going to begin in prayer, and then we're going right into the message because we got some baptisms and some stuff to do here in a little bit. So let's begin in prayer. Uh, good morning, God. Uh, here we are again, uh, your church called Pathway, your people. Uh, some are on, in the house, some are scattered, many are scattered, God, all over the, the state and even across the United States, God, even in the world, other parts of the world who have chosen to worship with you through this place that you have built called Pathway. And um, we, God, we just pause to, again to honor you and who you are and how good you are and how merciful and holy and kind and perfect you are, God, that even in the midst of this pandemic, even in the case of economic uncertainty and all the masks and all the protocols and all the things about not knowing what's going to happen with school and churches, God, we declare that you are good, you are holy, and you are consistent, God. 
You are the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, God. And we stand upon you, oh God, because we know who you are. And we give you thanks for that. So God, as we open your word to understand something about disturbing grace, about this thing called grace and prepare for baptism, God, we ask you to speak. Uh, Not human flesh, but for you to speak. And just create a community, God. Whether the folks that are online or on site, just create a community of oneness uh, to hear from you. And we ask you to do this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen, amen, amen. Okay, uh, I will tell you, I don't, I don't know whether to look at those that are in the house or look at the camera. I'm confused. I don't know what to do. This is so strange, but it's so, so good to see you. Uh, if you have your message notes, you can download them from the app. I was told that was, it's a hard time getting them from the website. It may be up right now, but I want to walk you through some things. So if you want to take notes, they're very free to talk, take down. We're going to be in Acts chapter 8 in a moment. That's where we're going, Acts chapter 8, if you want to get ready. But I want to make sure we have an understanding of something. Uh, we established years ago uh, in Pathway Church that there are four different groups of people who come here and worship, whether it's on site or you're watching online. And we call this a spiritual continuum. Uh, There is a spiritual continuum on this line like this. And there are four primary groups of people that are welcome here. And the first group of people I want to call, we're going to call them the explorers. Explorers. Please do not check my spelling, okay? We all know how that can be under pressure. Uh, Explorers. And explorers are people that you're not even sure if you believe in God. Uh, You're here because someone is being baptized. You're watching online because someone coerced you into watching. Or maybe you're just not sure if you're believing in God. You're just trying to dip your toe in the water to figure out if there is a God, this church, there's anything to it. And I want you to know you're welcome here. Uh, you don't have to have this sold-out conviction understanding to f- be a part of this church. You can have questions and doubts and be exploring, and you're welcome here. Uh, but our hope is at some point in your life that you have an aha moment, and it's just an aha moment that opens your eyes, and you go, oh, my gosh, this, this thing called Jesus and the cross, it's a very real thing. And you kind of make a step like many are doing this morning. There are some here this morning for the very first time that are going to say publicly, man, I believe in what Jesus did upon the cross. Now, when that happens, when that happens, you then become someone uh, that we're going to call a beginner. A beginner. And that means you're just beginning your relationship with Jesus. Uh, it's not expected you know a whole lot of stuff. It's very early in your journey. Uh, you're, the whole thing is before you. You're just beginning this walk in your life with Christ. But then you come to a point in your life uh, where you come to be the third group of people, and that is you're growing. You're growing. Because we don't want anyone to stay right here at just the beginning point. There comes a time in your life where you go, you know, I'm going to take some steps in my life to grow. I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to figure out what it means to pray, how, what it means to serve. And so I'm going to do it. So you're a grower, right? You're growing. And this fourth and final stage, and I'm going to, that XP right there stands for Christ. Uh, that's kind of a symbol for Christ, is that you are Christ-centered. Uh, boy, I don't have much room here. Christ-centered. And a Christ-centered person is someone who's grown to a place in their life where Jesus Christ is at the center of every single thing you do of your marriage, of your parenting, of your finances, of your business decisions, of your vacation decisions, of just your entertainment, of everything you do, is that Jesus Christ is in the center of all of it. 
Now, this right here, we just don't always go this way. Uh, some of you probably can testify. I mean, you're growing, 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 and all of a sudden you feel like, oh, my gosh, I'm not even sure if I believe anything again, and you feel like you're starting all over and exploring. Has that ever happened to you? You think you believe, and all of a sudden you're not sure, and you can go all back and forth on this continuum. But here's what I know. If you're going to go forward and grow in any way, it's always going to be fueled by God's grace. If you're going this direction, every time you go this direction, it is only by God's grace. Now, God's grace, we're talking this morning about grace, and grace can be a hard concept to understand unless you compare with three other things. And that would be justice and mercy, and then again back with grace. So here, let's give an example of what justice would be. Uh, you get caught cheating on your taxes. And by the way, if you don't file by this Wednesday, uh, which is the 15th of August, July, they've been changed from April 15th to July 15th, right? Just a little public service announcement. Uh, they are due July the 15th, unless you file an extension. You get caught cheating on your taxes. Judge finds you guilty five years put you in, that's called justice. Justice, in your notes, if you're watching online, you've downloaded justice, is getting what you deserve. That's justice. You get caught cheating on your taxes. Uh, the judge looks at you and says, you know what? Uh, this is your first offense. Uh, you got three kids at home. I think I'm going to be merciful. Instead of five years, I'm going to give you two and a half. That's mercy. Mercy is getting less than you deserve. You get caught cheating on your taxes. The judge says you were guilty. You get the full five years. The judge walks you out of his chambers, across the street to the local jail or prison, goes into the building, goes to your cell. The judge steps into your cell by himself, closes the door, and he says to you, he's by himself, he says, I'm going to serve your sentence. I'm going to pay your debt to society. You are free to go. That's grace. Grace in your nose is getting far more than I ever deserved. That's grace. Grace is God's unmerited favor. Grace is too good to be true. <laughs> grace is otherworldly. Grace is the total opposite of everything you and I experience in our culture today. It's countercultural. In fact, some folks say it's too good to be true. You can't trust it. It can't be true. Because pure grace is disturbing. It is so disturbing. Uh, pure grace will, will, will transform a person's heart uh, profoundly and permanently. Uh, pure grace will dismantle pride, disturbing praise, will just take pride apart, just piece by piece by piece by piece. Uh, disturbing grace, uh, it will turn a very hard person into a grace-filled person. Disturbing grace will turn someone who won't forgive into someone who easily and is quick to forgive. Uh, there's nothing, absolutely nothing on this earth like God's grace. Now, we're going to try to understand about God's grace by looking at a little story in Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8. If you have your Bibles and you want to follow along, uh, you can do that. Acts chapter 8. And in Acts chapter 8, we're going to learn about a guy 
that God just poured out, just poured out his disturbing grace upon. And uh, this guy in this culture, he was not a part of the majority race. He was a dark-skinned guy in a kind of a lighter-skinned world. He was. Uh, he didn't live in the spiritual epicenter of the world, which was Jerusalem. He was actually from a country in the northeastern part of Africa called Ethiopia. Uh, this guy would never have been found on the cover of some sort of GQ magazine or his picture gone viral on Instagram as the sexiest man in the world. Uh, he was sexually disabled, in fact. The Bible calls him a eunuch, which means he was a male whose sexual organs did not function. And so the question is, why? Out of all the people in the world and this unique story in the Bible, why is it in the Bible and why would God choose to pour his grace upon this guy out of nowhere? The Bible doesn't tell us. In fact, I would say it's a mystery. Just as it is a mystery of why at 16 years of age, grace came my way to a reckless little cocky 16-year-old kid and just totally disturbed and rocked my world and told it upside down. Hey, I would say just as mysterious for some of you as to why God sent grace your way uh, when you least expected it. Now, what you want to notice here, first thing in chapter 8 of verse 26, is that God begins this journey of this guy experiencing God's grace by sending a courier. Now, if you're in business, you know what a courier is. A courier is someone who takes important documents from point A to point B. That's a courier, very critical documents. And a good carrier is trustworthy and fast because they know the documents that they are currying, that they are delivering, are not only important, but timing is important. Verse 26 of chapter 8. Now, an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Philip, go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza, verse 27, so he started out. So here we got this guy named Philip. He's the courier. He's an ordinary guy. He wakes up thinking this is going to be an ordinary morning, but he gets these extraordinary instructions from this angel. And he said, I want you to go stand out in the middle of nowhere, just way out in the middle of nowhere. I don't want you to wait. Doesn't even tell him why. Has no clue why. But the scripture says there in verse 27, so he started out. No questions. No demands. No downloading more information off the internet. Philip, he just goes. Heaven speaks and he goes. I, I got to tell you, I, I wish I could be more like Philip. Because sometimes when I hear heaven speak, when I feel God nudging me, I go, God, uh, I think I need a little more clarity. <laughs> hey, God, uh, you haven't told me why I'm doing this. God, I think I'm just going to hold back until you give me a little bit more instruction. Anybody besides me that God speaks, you know it's God, but instead of just responding, you go, you know what, God, I just think, I'll, or sometimes you go, ah, it's not God. It's just the anchovy pizza. I'll just blow it off. But not this guy. Philip heard God speak, and it says he started out. So he's out there in the middle of nowhere on this desert road. And I got to think it probably feels a little silly. I mean, he's standing out in the middle of nowhere. He doesn't even know why. He's just standing there. 
And you read there in verse 27, I think he probably sees the cloud of dust. Oh, somebody's coming. And the closer it gets, there's a chariot. And when he looks in the chariot, he sees this person that he knows is not Jewish, that is some international-looking sort of person. I want to push a pause button, and I want to speak directly into the camera. Anybody here watching online who is from an international country, who is not born and raised in the United States of America, but you come from another nation, I want you to know you are welcome here. This can be your place, whether you're on site or you're on campus. In fact, I would like to know. I would like to take a little survey. And we just want to welcome you and say, man, we're so glad you're a part of us. And you just kind of, yeah, you clap in the house, clap in the house. Yeah, we're glad you're here. You're a part of us. And you can even put down where you're from or where you came from when you came to America or where you're worshiping from. Put that down. Man, this is a place you can come just as you are. Whether you're an explorer, you're a beginner, you're growing, or you're Christ-centered, we would love to have you be a part of this place called Pathway. So he looks, and he sees this guy kind of has an international look. And, and if you're looking at your Bible, the chariot must have pulled over because he sees the guy sitting in the chariot, and it says there in verse 28, he's reading the scroll of Isaiah. And then in verse 29, the spirit, the angel says to, to Philip, hey, Philip, go to that chariot and stay by it. Doesn't tell him why. Go and get by the chariot. And what does Philip do? He says, he said, he, then he ran. Then, then he ran to the chariot, verse 30. He ran to the chariot. So he just goes. He doesn't know why. He just goes. And he says, hey, listen. Do you understand what you are reading? I'm in verse 30. Do you understand what you're reading? And the guy says, how can I? How can I understand? Unless someone explains it to me. And Philip goes, ah, now I know why. Now I know why God said, I want you to go stand out in the middle of this desert because somebody was going to come along who God wanted to share, I love you, I love you, I love you. And I needed to help interpret the message so they would get it to know how much God loves them. And all of a sudden, Philip had this aha moment that God had him out there in the middle of nowhere to provide spiritual roadside assistance to someone who was in need of assistance. Have you ever needed spiritual roadside assistance? You found yourself so full of questions and so full of wondering and you needed someone to help explain to you what was going on in your life. Philip becomes the courier of that message. Now, he notices here the guy's reading from Isaiah. In fact, he's reading from, from Isaiah chapter 53. And uh, he kind of comes up into the, into the scripture and into the chariot with him again to talk about it. Now, Isaiah 53 is a passage in the Old Testament uh, that talks about the forthcoming of Jesus. And it's kind of a hard book of the Bible to understand unless you know already what's, what, what's happened. He needed someone to explain it to him. And I think he's probably reading one verse in there that kind of goes like this in verse 5. Uh, this will be, it says, Isaiah 53, 5. But he was pierced for our transgressions. In other words, somebody gets wounded for our wrongdoings. He says, somebody is crushed, he was crushed for our iniquities. Somebody is bruised, in other words, because we messed up. Somebody, the Bible says, somebody is getting roughed up. <laughs> They're getting beat up. 
because of somebody else. And then it says, by his wounds, we are healed. Now, some of you right here, you're watching online or you're in the house, we're living on this side of the cross, this side of history. You're, oh, yeah, I know exactly what they're talking about. They're talking about Jesus. But the Ethiopian did not know that what he was talking about. He needed someone to explain it to him. And so he says, Philip, will you get up here in the chariot and explain it to me? So that's exactly what he does. He gets up there into the chariot. He explains it to him there in verse 34, what the prophet was talking about. And then in verse 35, Philip began with that passage of Scripture, and he told him about the good news of Jesus. Now, before COVID-19 hit and everybody went home, I was trying to explain to you the good news of Jesus by giving you a diagram. If you can't see it over here, well, you'll see it on the screen because we need to make sure we can have it here online. I told you I was going on a plane trip, ironically, to Ethiopia. And my seatmate wanted to talk religion. He found out I was a pastor. I had my Bible out. And uh, I said, okay, tell me about your faith. He said, well, you know what? i tell you what, Pastor. I think that when I get to the end of my life, I'm going to be good with God. And I said, well, tell me, why do you think you're going to be good with God? He said, well, I'm a patriotic American. I vote every single time. I'm as good as a Republican you'll ever get. I am uh, very generous with my money to the church my wife goes to. She goes every weekend. I go on Christmas and Easter, Worcester most of the time. Uh, I give to United Way through my work. I show up at every one of my kids' ball games. I'm a great dad. Now, my wife would probably say I'm an average husband. <laughs> but you know what? I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a pretty good guy. And uh, I think I'm good with God when it comes to the end of my life. And so I asked him, I said, okay, uh, is, did you read that somewhere? Did somebody tell you that? How? He said, no, that's just kind of something that I kind of came to on my own. I said, oh, interesting. I said, hey, well, you want to know what the Bible has to say about that? Uh, let me know. I mean, he's got a long flight, and just let me know. And so we talked about golf and baseball and other things, and I took a nap. And I'm, a, I'm, sound, I'm sleeping, sound asleep. And all in the middle of my sleep, he's nudging me. He said, hey, 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 I want to know. I want to know what? I want to know what? Well, you know what the Bible has to say. I said, oh. Okay, so this is what I drew. I got out a napkin, and this is what we did. And we established, okay, he agreed with me that, that God is holy. They mean that God is perfect. That God, there's nobody like God. God stands alone all by himself in every single way. God is the highest of the holy and perfection. And he agreed with that. And then I asked him a few questions. Hey, tell me. Uh, you kind of put yourself as being right here. You kind of said, you know what? You, you are, you're pretty good with God. You think you're just sitting almost right underneath the throne of God yourself. You're so good. And, uh, but, but tell me. Uh, tell me about somebody that you think is the best, the best godly person that's ever lived in, in the first person. If you were here that weekend, right before COVID, you remember he said, Mother Teresa. And I said, man, I agree with you. And but I said, but I've read stuff from Mother Teresa, and I know Mother Teresa, she was a toot. 
And she and the nuns didn't always get along. And sometimes she was kind of embarrassed by how she kind of got angry and lost her temper with all the other nuns. And she considered herself a pretty lowly, sinful person. And so I think if she was here, she would probably put her, herself way down here. I said, tell me somebody else there, Billy Graham. I said, of course, Billy Graham. He's the most, uh, uh, my, uh, Billy Graham, man, was one of the greatest evangelists that ever walked on the earth, it seems like. But here's what I know. I've been to a few of his, his uh, crusades, and I know before he went out to preach, he would have pastors who were just beginning. One time he had a janitor come pray over him before he went out to teach because he said, I am a sinful man, and I on my own have no power to speak. And he asked lowly other sinful people come down pray over. So I know that Billy Graham himself, if he were here, I think he would put himself way down here, even below Mother Teresa. Now I want to take a little time out. Uh, during this COVID-19 thing, I've been trying to learn as much as I can about leadership. Because you agree with me, we're seeing a lot of good and bad leadership all over the place. And I'm thinking, okay, I think this is the prime time to grow in leaders. So I've been following as many leaders as I can what to do and what not to do as a leader. And one of the ones I've been following to do is Pope Francis. And Pope Francis, I'm going to tell you, it's some, I'm a fan of Pope Francis. I, I really am. Uh, pope Francis, when he first became Pope, he did away with the Pope Mobile. Instead of having people kiss his ring, he would get down and wash the feet of those who came in to, to see him. Uh, he goes around and visits all these special needs kids that nobody else will go see. He lives not in the big Pope Papal Palace, but in a simple little apartment. And during this COVID-19, he has gone and laid hands and prayed on the infirmed who were dying when nobody else from the world would go and touch them except doctors and nurses. I will tell you, I'm a fan of Pope Francis. And he was uh, asked when he first became Pope, maybe some of you know this, when he, was, when he became Pope, he was asked, hey, hey, listen, I want you to know you're about to be Pope. How do you feel about that? His first words out of his mouth was, I'm a very sinful man. I'm a sinful man. God's been kind to me. God's been good to me. And uh, if God asks me to do this, I'll do the best I can. But the only way I can do it is by God's grace. So I think if Pope Francis were here, I think he'd at least put himself right down here somewhere by Mother Teresa and Billy Graham. So I ask you that are watching online and you are in the house, if I gave you this little marker and I ask you online or in the house to come put your mark on here, would you put it up here or would you put it down here on where you are in the perfection and the holiness of God? Here's what I know. I'm going to put myself way down here <laughs> because I know where I am. And some of you are thinking, Pastor, is that the good news of Jesus? That the, no, here's the good news of Jesus. God, holy, good, perfect God, saw the situation that you and I were in. We can't make that gap on our own. For God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son. And he came into the world. He was pierced. 
for our transgressions. He was wounded for our wrongdoing. And on his shoulders, he took all of our sin, our shame, our blame. And then Jesus, through his perfection and his righteousness, he pours his goodness into our account where God sees you and me right here just a little bit below God himself. That's called justified. If you're taking notes, justified means this. It's a theological term. Just as if I never sinned. Just as if I'd never sinned at all. Now, church, I mean, I I need to say something to you. I'm afraid that there are people in this church called Pathway Home who say, you know what? I'm going to be good with God because I go to Pathway Church. I watch online. And uh, that's not what the Bible says. I'm going to read Ephesians 2, 8, verses 9. Ephesians 2. Here's the good news of Jesus. Ephesians 2, 8, 9. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. Not of yourself. It is by grace through faith. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound. That saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Twas blind. But now I see, I see, I see what God has done for me on the cross. I see it, and I see it's a gift. So that no one, it says, verse 9, not by works, nobody can boast. Nobody can boast. Because disturbing grace destroys pride. A follower of Jesus Christ, who sincerely follower of Jesus Christ, is the most humble, servant-oriented person in the world. They are not cocky. They are not brash. They are not prideful. They are not boastful. They are humble because they know all that they are and all that they have is because of the grace of Jesus Christ himself, period. God's grace. And the logical progression is you look at this right here, you look at this and you go, whoa, okay, I'm down here. This is me right here. I'm way down here. And you go, whoa, I got a gap to close. I got to make things right. And some of you are type A personality. Some of you are very competitive. You know what? I can do it. And you hitch up your britches, and I'm going to kick that addiction by myself. I'm going to overcome that depression by myself. I'm going to fix that marriage. I'm going to fix that woman. I'm going to fix that man. I'm going to fix that kid. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. We're going to get everybody, you know. And all of a sudden, uh, you realize that's not going to work. That's called a holy cow moment. Oh, no. And then you have a disturbing grace moment where you go, huh, I need help. And that's when you pray, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Back to our story. Uh, Philip is sharing the good news of Jesus with this Ethiopian guy. 
And we don't know how, he's, how long it took or what he was sharing, but all we know is he gets to a point where he's telling the good news of Jesus. You know how Jesus died upon the cross for the forgiveness of our sins. Third day, God raised him from the dead. He poured out the Holy Spirit. Thousands of people came to accept Christ. Thousands were baptized. He created the church and this incredible thing called the church. And it started building it all over the world. The church started growing and everything like that. He's so excited. And then we're told right here at verse 36, after he told him that, they traveled down the road. They came to some water. And the eunuch said, hey, there's some water right here. What can stand in the way of me being baptized? I want to be baptized right now. Why? Because he got seized by God's grace. Church, can I tell you something that worries me? Can I tell you something that really kind of worries me? I think some of you, I'm worried that some of you, you see it, but you've not been seized by it. You understand it intellectually, but you've not embraced it and been touched in your heart by God's disturbing grace. Because when you get touched in your heart by God's disturbing grace, it changes and transforms and disturbs your entire life. But this guy right here, he got seized by it. When he saw the water, he said, I got to be baptized right now to seal the deal. Now, let me answer a few questions about baptism, because there's some folks who resist baptism. And I would say, if you resist baptism, if you resist it of any kind, I'm going to say you've, you see it, but you've not yet been seized by it. Because when you've been seized by God's grace, but I get a lot of questions about baptism. Here's some of the questions I get about baptism. They're very normal, uh, very common. Here's one of the questions. Hey, pastor, I got baptized as a baby by my parents or when I was a kid and I really didn't understand it. Do I have to get rebaptized when I get older? No, you don't have to do that. You, don't, you can. Some here this morning are, but you don't have to do that. Uh, your parents or you when you were young, uh, you're not saved by baptism, you're saved by grace through faith. Uh, your parents were invested in you making a commitment, thinking that one day you would come to a point in your life where you would publicly profess your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. And that you would either receive and accept your baptism given you as a child, or you would accept the dedication and be baptized. Or if you need to be rebaptized, you can make that choice. But you don't have to be. You because Baptism doesn't save you. You're saved by grace through faith. It is a symbolism. But you're welcome to if you feel like you need to. Pastor, um, I, I've been seized by grace, but I really don't understand the Bible. Do I, don't I need to know more about the Bible before I'm baptized? Hey, no, listen. When you're an explorer and you experience Christ, you're just a beginner. You know very little about the Bible. You don't have to know a whole lot. The, the Ethiopian guy, he knew about 30 minutes worth. If you want to get baptized, you're online or you're in the house, we'll have you go to a class that lasts about 30 minutes. Just give you about 30 minutes to make sure you kind of know what you're doing. That's it. So you have to know the whole lot. And I will tell you, I read this book all the time, and there's still stuff that I don't know and understand. You'll never know it all until some until you get before God. Uh, somebody else said, Pastor, uh, you know what? I, I've been seized by grace, and I want to get baptized, but can I do it privately? You know, I'm a little shy. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't want other people to see me. Listen, we're sensitive to that, very sensitive. Uh, but I just kind of want to say this about that. When Jesus hung on this cross, it was very public. 
And it was more than a minute. For several hours, people mocked him, spat at him, beat him, flogged him, roughed him up pretty bad, almost stripped him naked. No dignity left. In front of a bunch of people that were unfriendly. And your baptism, I think you could be before a bunch of people that are friendly for just a couple of minutes. I think you would find yourself, align yourself with Jesus if you, if you would do that. Pastor, I want to get baptized, but i got some people in my family. They're going to think I've gone off the deep end. They're going to think I've weirded out, and I just don't want them to know. I want to tell you something. Your baptism is very personal. Your spouse doesn't have to prove. If you're of age as a child, your parents don't have to prove. If you're underage in their home, you've got to sign off with your folks. And if you've got a conflict with your folks, we'll help you work that through. But your baptism is between you and God. And so don't you hesitate because of friends or peer pressure, what other people are going to think. You do it. Pastor, but I just don't want everybody to know. Listen, if you've been touched by God's disturbing grace, you'll want people to know because it's changed your life. And you'll want it to change their life too. And the last thing, well, Pastor, you know, if you, when you come up out of the water, I don't look too good when my hair's all wet. And I'm going to be taking photos, going to be posted all online and everything. I'm not even going to answer that question, okay? I'm not even going to go there. That's a, oh, that's a whole other deal. I'm not even going to. But so, so he says, let's, I want, he said, I want to get baptized. And really what he says, let's do this. He says, let's do this. I want to get baptized right now. I'm ready. And so he goes down in the water and he is baptized. And uh, group one, y'all can start going into your place. Band's coming up. We're about to get to that point. We're going to kind of do this. Let's do this. And so uh, he says that, and then he goes on down and he says something else. He's baptized, verse 39. He goes under the water, and the Spirit of the Lord took Philip away, and the eunuch didn't see Philip again, but he went on his way rejoicing. He went on his way rejoicing. Rejoicing. Now, church, if you're watching online, I know why he went on rejoicing. He was rejoicing. His sins had been forgiven. He had been washed clean by the blood of the Lamb. Uh, he had been made, brought up here, being right just a little under God. We can kind of get that out of the way of our, our band here. But there's something else. I think he was just rejoicing, could not believe that God loved him so much uh, that God would send... God would send Philip, a courier, to go stand out in the middle of nowhere to make sure that he knew that God loved him. So I want to say something here to those that are coming to be baptized. Uh, I want you to think right now, those that are being baptized, about the Phillips in your life. I want you to think about the pastor, the youth leader, the friend, the parent, the grandparent, who made sure you knew something about the love of God in your life. Because here's what I know, nobody comes to faith in Jesus Christ without somebody being the messenger. Telling them about how much God loves them through their actions, 
by staying with them all night long in the hospital when they were grieving, by mowing their yard when nobody was there and they were just, they couldn't do it themselves, by bringing over food, by prayer texts, by phone calls, or by not giving up inviting you to church, inviting, inviting, inviting. There was somebody in your life, somebody. And so right now where you are, if you can think of someone that's a Philip, I just encourage you to say, thank you, God, for it. And just in your mind, just name them. Thank you, God.